This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, good afternoon. I'm Roshan Kandesan and welcome to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. In December, Bank Nagara Malaysia released a new policy document on personal financing focused on buy now, pay later, or more commonly known as BNPL. This was focused on BNPL products where it hoped to address concerns that have come about in particular particular how this fintech solution could lead to debt accumulation by making purchases or spending initially appear affordable. Ultimately, the paper hopes to promote responsible financing practices while discouraging unaffordable borrowing. The document includes a whole host of things, including general and additional requirements on BNPL players, affordability assessments, fees and charges, share requirements, as well as merchant and reporting requirements. However, as highlighted by Fintech News Malaysia, this likely doesn't cover firms that are not regulated by the central bank, by BNM, which once again brings the Consumer Credit Act into focus, which was targeted to be enacted by the end of 2023. However, now we're in January 2024. Today on Enterprise Explores, we're taking a look at the BNPL industry here in Malaysia and the kind of regulations needed in order to to protect consumers, but also allow the industry to operate and grow with a clear regulatory framework. Helping us with this conversation, we have in the studio with us Don Lai, Chief Executive Officer of Experian Information Services Malaysia, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia. Uh, Jonathan is also a partner with law firm Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. If you have any thoughts, you can WhatsApp us on our U-Mobile number. That's 018-789-8899. Once again, that's our U-Mobile number, 018-789-8899. Don, Jonathan, welcome to the studio. How are you both doing today? Thanks. Thanks, Roshan. Thanks for having us today. Uh, Good weekend. Uh, Anything interesting happening? Pleasure to be here. Yep, I think it's good weekend. <laughs> yeah, Looking been. forward to the conversation. So, as I mentioned uh, in the introduction, there uh, we saw a new policy document from BFM in Dece- uh, from BNM in December, not BFM. Um, talk to us a little bit about how much an impact uh, this had on the industry, given that many BNPL firms don't fall under BN- uh, BNM's purview at current. Uh, maybe John, we start with you on this. Sure, sure. I think I think I'll take the first stab at this. Get the butterflies out of my stomach. <laughs> yeah, so so I think, as, as you mentioned, Roshan, the policy document came about sometime in 15 December 2023 last year. And and really, to to really put a point as to how much impact it has made into the industry, I, I guess at this point in time, it's starting to unfold itself. It's starting to to take a bit of, of traction to understand that why BNM is actually taking the step to to impose or rather mm. to introduce regulation just on FFPs, um, as you mentioned, right? And interestingly enough, you know, the, the policy document has always been positioned to aim to promote a more prudent and, and more responsible financing practices. So to one sense, perhaps some parties will say that, oh, this, this could be an approach of having a taste test in the market. But I would take the position whereby this sets the tone to align um, BNPL players that are unregulated, that partners with FSPs at this point in time, to then slowly move into a regulated space. So a couple of highlights of the policy document perhaps I would share is that BNM has started to introduce what it's called as an affordability assessment, right? which in the past, I think we have always been talking about a historical data assessment when it comes to credit worthiness, and I'm sure Dawn is going to jump into this uh, a bit more <laughs> later. And, and then when the, the insurgence of fintech that came into 
the entire global market. We started looking at people trying to use behavioural patterns to to um, provide credit assessment. Mm. But very largely, I think what's very interesting as a highlight to me when I look at the personal financing approach and, uh, and the CCA itself is that we start to amalgamate the two and look at an affordability assessment. And I think that that is something that we should watch in the space to regulate this market itself. Yeah. Yep. Don? Can I add on? Yeah, yep. please. Uh, if you look at it, of course, I echo what Jonathan said, right? Um, having these regulations uh, is definitely the directions that, uh, as what we can see from the regulator, what they wanted to actually approach for this industry. Um, if you look at, um, I would comment in terms of the some of the uh, provisions in the uh, so-called personal financing document uh, by bringing the so-called uh, partners that jointly uh, offer the PMPL products mm. together with the so-called the FSB, and in a way that looking across the affordability assessment as what um, uh, the document has uh, listed, um, I would say in terms of uh, looking at across the um, affordability, not just from what the income debt service ratio, but it's also what other commitment that individual has already has is the right direction because that ultimately the segments that currently are actually um, utilizing the BNPL products, a lot of them are the younger as mm. well as the so-called lower income segment. Uh, I would say that the financial literacy, uh, financial education is one of the important parts to actually bring in. It's a collaboration between the uh, industry player together with the regulator as well as an ecosystem partner like ourselves, which is a credit reporting agency that can actually bring to the uh, forefront of the uh, regulations itself. Speaking of the regulation, uh, if we take a look at the public consultation paper uh, part two, which was released uh, almost a year ago, actually, 5th of April 2023, the, I think the, the Consumer Credit Act or the CCA, uh, is the plan is to put it into action into phases, right? So phase one, uh, initially target for 2024, 2025, we'll see. <laughs> uh, among other things, some key changes in this phase include new financial requirements, the proposal pushing uh, forth a minimum of a of 2 million ringgit in shareholders' funds needed and that non-bank credit providers would eventually be under the purview of the Consumer Credit Oversight Board, which ultimately, I think, is supposed to uh, oversee the industry overall. Um, uh, Jonathan, what was the industry's initial reaction and eventual feedback to policymakers about the proposed regulatory framework, given that you are with uh, Fintech Association of Malaysia as well? Yeah, so thanks, thanks, Roshan, for that. I, I think... Basically, we had that privilege of bringing in our members for industry players and mm. we've run through a couple of forums to to address um, the consultative papers and, and the pain points that perhaps the industry would be um, facing in that sense. But the general sentiment, I must say, is that the industry players in Malaysia are open and, and recognises the fact that, that we need to have proper regulation when it comes to the BMPL space. Now, very much the fact that, you know, that there is a lot of uncertainty when it comes to what service charges are. There's a lot of uncertainty as to how once a certain player would be providing its its um, services. The, the general scale that industries are coming together is that we should have clarity, we should have a certain level of transparency, but again, I will always say the devil is always in the details, mm. right? Um, as much as there should be this general regulatory framework, um, the industry's sentiment has always been the fact that such regulatory framework should also be flexible enough because each player is targeting a different segment. Right, to some extent, if, if I can put it in, 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 a, in a very plain manner, 
um, the consideration of a of Agrobank and Maybank will be very different when it comes to a customer segment that they're looking into. So its creditworthiness of a certain individual will also differ. So so these are some of the the points that industry has raised when we were addressing with them. The other part, I think, as as Dawn has mentioned, right? Um, of course, Bank Negara has introduced um, the concern of ensuring that there should be a material, a maximum amount of of uh, threshold that a party should be um, be be given a credit line, or or that you adopt a DSR ratio when it comes to assessing a, a credit party. I think when it comes to non-regulated parties, the access to such data becomes a challenge, right? Because there is always the inconsistency of, of what kind of data you can get out there when your target segment is always the marginalized, when your target segment is always the B40s. Um, to what extent would you then uh, be able to draw that line and in terms of ensuring that their, their credit worthiness is, is solid? Um, and, and, and that in itself, I must say, um, I would say it's very commendable that in the paper itself, um, there is even the approach to even now take your utility bills, the pattern of the payment of utility bills as a form of, ass- of assessment to see whether you are a responsible um, payer at the end of the day. So I, I think it, it, there's, there's a lot of excitement in the space. There is a lot of different, different algorithm that needs to, to be put in place. And, and I must say that Benagara and CCOB has, has been very open to hear out the industry at large. Well, was there anything in particular that either Bank Nagara or the CCOB, um, any particular feedback the industry gave back to them or anything in particular that um, was highlighted last year in particular? Because, I mean, the few things you've, you've mentioned there. Yeah. Um, so, so I think where, where, it, the, where there was some, a bit of um, clarity required was very much on the fact that whilst the policy document that we were talking about in terms of personal financing talks about a affordability assessment and, mm-hmm. and data points for, I think, regulated uh, regulators like DPIs, the designated payment providers and, and financial banks would, would be quite easily accessible. The challenge has always been where the industry players are unregulated and how do they then come uh, forward to Nangara and say that, you know, I'm, I'm going to work on this particular algorithm in assessing the affordability of the customer in itself. Um, interestingly enough, I think I think that is where I, I would say that um, the regulators are aware mm-hmm. of the, such a challenge. And, and the last conversation I think I remember we, we had with them was very much the fact that the the CCOB at this um, or, or rather the team at this point in time is is waiting or, or is willing to welcome proposal from the industry to share with them how these algorithms will work based on their target segment. Mm. So and I, and I think that's very important for regulation, especially when it comes to fintech. Versatility and industry engagement is very important because in technology or rather in the technology world, the the speed and the evolution of technology moves at quick speed, right? Mm-hmm. And if we don't have a versatile regulator, if we don't have a regulation that's broad enough to, uh, to embrace change, then we are stuck in terms of impairing innovation. Yeah. Uh, Don, uh, any reactions or eventual feedback to policymakers about the proposed regulatory framework as well as ask, uh, any reaction to what uh, John said there? Yeah. Uh, we have, if you look at it, right, uh, also late last year, we have some engagement. Uh, we are not directly the BNPO player. Yeah but we are the important uh, supporting ecosystem uh, partner. Uh, Looking at it, right, even from a a CCOB standpoint, uh, what they are looking at is really that ultimately um, they wanted to understand uh, what kind of risk that would this growing popularity, uh, fast-growing industry Mm. that will actually pose to the country. So in that sense... um, as a credit bureau, we are the uh, global information provider. 
uh, we can partner with the uh, respective uh, so-called players in terms of having a central repository. So if you look at it, one of the key concerns from the regulator standpoint is that um, you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. at this stage, um, if that, I, I guess that uh, according to the uh, financial stability review uh, published by Bank Negara, the BNPL debt, overall mm-hmm. debt is still pretty small at this stage, but it's fast gaining. The popularity is fast growing. So what uh, I guess is like what Jonathan say, a broad regulations that is needed, but the details, um, taking in the feedback, and understanding the challenges from the industry, how best is for the regulator or even the regulations to address some of this area. I just wanted to give an example of what we have seen uh, um, like in some other countries, like in Singapore. Uh, it is like more or less like a self-regulation kind of uh, approach that the regulator there are taking it. For Malaysia, I guess it's actually for the industry players to in discussions with the regulator to see what will be the best approach. Because uh, it is something that is pretty new. This is a relatively new financing product. It is something that uh, I also see uh, there is a benefits that can bring to the uh, overall so-called economy. Just that we have to manage it well. All right. Uh, Don, Jonathan, we've got to go into a few, a few messages. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more on the what the industry needs in terms of a regulatory framework in order to sure. grow, uh, but also where we stand in terms of regulatory environment compared to our peers. I think uh, Don has given us a little bit of a peek into Singapore there. Folks, you're listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today on Enterprise Explores, we're taking a look at the BNPL industry here in Malaysia and the kind of regulations needed in order to protect consumers, but also allow the industry to operate and grow with a clear regulatory framework. Helping us in this conversation is Don Lai, CEO of Experian Information Services Malaysia, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia. He is also a partner with legal firm Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. I'm Roshan Kainasen. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here at BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Boyish 40-something millionaires. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. I'm Roshan Kunison and welcome back to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. In December, BNM or Bank Negara Malaysia released a new policy document on personal financing focused on BNPL products, where it hoped to address the concerns that have come about in this product category. Uh, but there's, the thing here is that it doesn't likely cover anything that isn't regulated by BNM, which once again brings the consumer credit act into focus. Uh, today on Enterprise Explorers, on the back of this, we're taking a look at the BNPL industry here in Malaysia and the kind of regulations needed in order to protect consumers, but also uh, allow the industry to operate and grow with a clear regulatory framework. Helping us with this conversation, we have Don Lai, CEO of Experian Information Services Malaysia, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia. He's also a partner with legal firm Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. Um, John, uh, Don, at present, we have regulation in certain areas for BNPL services, but it's still fragmented depending on, well, who the ultimate regulator is for Mm -hmm. the industry that you're operating in or who you got your license from. As industry stakeholders, how important is a 
clear regulatory framework for Malaysia's BNPL industry. Uh, John. Yeah, I, I think it's always been the fact that, you know, when it comes to BNPL, there, there is always this silent fear that permeates the industry whereby, you know, are, are we addressing a market whereby we're creating a facade of um, of reach with, mm. through the, uh, the marginalised whilst we actually challenge actual affordability at the end of the day. And, and oftentimes when you allow this kind of easy access to credit, the, the significance of it is that how much financial literacy um, is there in the market for parties to actually understand the tools or borrowings that they're looking into at this, at this point in time. So I would take the position, not, not because um, as a practitioner, we, we, we always lean towards regulation, but <laughs> more towards the fact that you know, regulation is really needed to manage, and I, I would say three main uh, actors here. Right? We have replaced a lot of emphasis when it comes to consumer protection. But oftentimes, we have not seen that the fact that when we have regulation, regulation is aimed to provide a level playing field for industry players because to some extent, without certainty, each party will be navigating blindly and, and the repercussion to that could be quite damaging at the end of the day. But one particular segment which I think most of us would also need to emphasise on is the fact that whilst a lot of BNPL players are startups or are, are new products in the market, oftentimes they are undergoing um, constant fundraising. And the third actor to this is not just the consumer, the provider, but also investor protection to, to that extent. Right? When, when BNPL, your inventory technically is dry powder. You're basically going out there to provide lending and then recouping it for maybe a small service fee. So if, if we look into the need for regulation, I think regulation in itself that centralises on this, the, the protection of all these three main actors will be very, very significant. And it should propel um, the Malaysian market to a slightly more um, regulated um, space so that we don't only take care of the consumers, we don't only ensure that players are all leveled, but we also ensure that investors that comes in would have a steady return or a comfortable return um, with their money invested in all these players. So I would say that, yeah, it is, it is definitely important to ensure that there is clear regulatory framework. And in fact, if there is any possibility to have one single framework that allows consistency across the industry. Yeah. I think consistency is really important, right? Especially as a user, uh, you don't want terms and conditions to be varying yes. too much across Definitely. different. Yeah. You know, one person, one player doesn't provide, doesn't charge interest. There's, there's a fee. Someone else may charge interest, and you're not sure. Yeah. So that consistency is really important to protect, I guess, the end consumer and to increase that financial literacy perspective. Don, as uh, yeah. Experian works, Experian Information Services Malaysia works with a whole host of BNPL services. Um, how important is a clear regulatory framework for the industry? Yeah, um, I echo what uh, Jonathan said, right? Um, this actually with this CC uh, Consumer Credit Act or even this Personal Financing Act that actually came out by the regulator, this really aims to bring a level playing field, uh, bringing the unregulated back to the regulations. And by doing that, uh, it is important. If you really look at it, even if I relate back to the, our own industry, uh, we are a credit reporting agency. The regulation came in about more than 10 years ago. And, and by having a regulations, uh, there are confidence level from the so-called the industry, be it from the consumer, the ecosystem partner, uh, dealing with the regulated entities. Because by knowing that uh, you have the structure, you have the framework, but it is important, as I think we have called out several times, certain kind of flexibility, especially when this product is pretty new, and actually monitor it closely. 
uh, to see what would be the best approach. Working together with the industry players is important because uh, this is also one of the products that can actually drive financial inclusion, as I see it, just that uh, people need to manage it well. How, they, how best for them to leverage and use utilising it. Uh, as what we always spoke about, the financial education is very important. Uh, consumer protection is there, but the consumer education is equally very important to bring up the level of understanding. The consumer knowingly, uh, when they take up a BNPL product, they know what kind of risk that they get into and how best is for them to manage it. So I guess the clear regulatory framework is important so that, again, we have that consistency and clarity so that users aren't burnt, right? Because it, 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 mm. you need users to continue to use your product. Yes. And if, you know, if people have a bad taste in their mouth, even though you may be a responsible player, an irresponsible player may tarnish the industry as a whole, right? Or, you know, tarnish the industry in the eyes of the regulators, which are probably, <laughs> probably a, a bigger concern. Um <laughs> That's it, you know, there's this need for balance, right? And we've touched on this a few times in this conversation, the need for um, clear regulatory framework, but flexibility, given the fact that it's a new industry, a lot of the players are younger startups who are raising funds. But at the same time, we also don't want to play around with debt levels in this country, especially given that household debt is uh, already uh, significant. Jonathan, what do you what do you in the industry see as this ideal balance between uh, growing the industry and protecting the consumer? Yeah, that, that's really a no pressure a, whatsoever. A, t- a tough <laughs> question, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> to find the, the ideal balance between the two, but I, I think as, as also briefly mentioned by Dawn in, in the past few questions, right? And I'll quote Robert Kiyosaki here in a sense whereby he, he in his writings he, he did say money is one form of power. But what's more powerful is financial education mm. at the end of the day. So an, an ideal balancing act or an ideal framework that, that needs to be rolled out, in, in my personal opinion and in, in the opinion of how we observe the entire industry, um, perhaps needs to address two prongs, right? One would be that constant engagement with industry players because the versatility of a regulatory framework requires constant feedback, right? As, as the product evolves, as we target uh, different segments at the end of the day as we penetrate new markets, right? It's always important to keep the engagement with the regulators close so that um, you have this particular assurance that when you go to this particular market, there is still some, some constant framework that could uh, assist you to scale. On the other side of the coin, of course, it is always ideal to have regulation. And oftentimes we will say that, you know, with regulation comes enforcement and lack of enforcement uh, questions the, the effectiveness of regulation itself. But I would take a, a, a very different perspective to this. I would rather take the perspective of prevention is better than cure. And that starts off with financial education. We don't teach financial education as much as we should be in schools, right? But when it comes to BNPL, where our target segment is very much demarginalized and very much the youth um, in, in that sense, having responsible, responsible spending or having the ability to understand not just your rights, but what you are spending on, would, I would say would evolve BNPL from a, um, a tool to, to achieve, to reach um, products that, <laughs> that perhaps you dream for to a cash flow management tool. Mm. Yeah, and, and I think that was very significant during the pandemic times, right? Whereby it is not that, whereby we all live with the uncertainty of, of losing our jobs, but maybe we have a pool of funds, right? But the fact that we would recognize BNPL or we would use BNPL as a pool tool to stretch every single dollar allows us that runway to then walk out of 
the pandemic and then resuscitate our financial um, stability at the end of the day. So that, that's how I would look at an ideal balance. But of course, there's no ideal in this world. And then mm-hmm. I think yep. regulators and industry would need to constantly engage in that sense. So, yeah. so you see a, a much bigger place for active financial uh, financial education and awareness and getting them to understand, I guess, the it's a tool, right? Either yeah. you can use it and manage your cash flow better by spreading out payments or you can misuse it and overburden yourself with debt. But that requires education because right. not everyone is... Uh, understands uh, money in that sense, yeah. right? And when I was a financial planner, I, I had you know people in the T twenty bracket who yeah. didn't understand yeah. that credit card balances carried interest. That's right. So oh, wow. so you even so it's not really about where you are socioeconomically. Yeah. People don't realize these that these products come at a cost. Yeah. Uh, Don, yeah. balance between growth and uh, consumer protection. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. If you look at it, I agree. Uh, financial education is very important. And buy now, pay later are um, schemes, right? In fact, if you look at it, it is a payment mode. Yep. It's an alternative payment mode that brings a uh, certain kind of flexibility, allowing a uh, consumer uh, to actually make some expensive or, or big purchases by stretching out their, their so-called uh, commitment. Uh, but if you use it correctly, this actually, in fact, helps you to build for those that underserved segment, that helps you to build a form of credit history to start a credit well. But if you don't manage it well, as what uh, we all spoke about, then this can actually land you into a certain kind of financial debt. And and elsewhere, we, we also see across certain countries that this really has actually gone out of control. So from Malaysia's side, the regulatory framework now is actually taking this preventive approach before this becomes systemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, they wanted to start to start something. Uh, if we go back to the questions about the ideas uh, balance, I, I guess the approach now the regulator are taking it is also in a way that uh, engaging with the industry player uh, understandings in terms of uh, what are the best approach uh, for them to regulate this actually up and coming industry. Uh, I guess this is one of the area that uh, if we continue on this track and and open dialogue uh, engagements Mm. uh, between the regulator and the industry player that would uh, facilitate a regulatory framework that can actually support this so-called growth of the BNPL industry. Yeah, so maybe I throw in a marketing pitch here. And, that, and that's what uh, FAOM is all about, right? We are here to <laughs> to hear the industry's voice and yeah. to collate all this feedback back to Nagara. And we hope to continue to serve uh, the fintech industry in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, ultimately, uh, there seems to be a little bit of a, a preventive narrative, right? Yeah. That you maybe this is not a place where you want to move fast and break things and uh, take a little bit of a more cautious approach to how we uh, approach the industry. Um, do we have any comparisons regionally in terms of what other countries in or our other peers are doing in terms of uh, BNPL uh, regulation? Uh, Don, perhaps we can start yeah. with you on this. Uh, I think closest here, if you look at Singapore, mm. I have actually commented just now. Uh, MAS, the regulator in Singapore, right, uh, has taken the approach that as this is relatively new and it is still growing, so they do not want to impose any regulation at this stage, but there are guidance that given by them. What is the expectation from a regulator standpoint? They leave it to the industry. So the Singapore FinTech Associations, together with the industry player, has come together. Uh, it's an industry-led kind of initiative mm-hmm. to come out a code of conduct 
uh, in terms of uh, the fair practices, the best practices within the industry. And Experian ourselves is also the operator for the uh, Buy Now Pay Later Bureau in Singapore. You see, if you look at it, one of the key uh, components or ecosystem partner within this regulatory framework is to have a central repository uh, of the information, right? Because um, a lot of concerns being raised that if you are only taking a one buy now pay later mm. debt, it is fine. Mm-hmm. But without knowing if that individual has taken more than what they can afford, That's right. maybe five or six, that can start to become an issue, especially uh, many. I think Bank Negara study was talking about 80% of the user belong to the age of, I think, 18 to 30, right? Yeah. This is actually still a young and prime age. They are still have a, a long way for them to grow into their future. So how do we actually uh, managing it with this sort of central deposit uh, kind of informations, allowing the players to know that are uh, how much indebtedness that individual has before they give out a credit. I think this is the right approach to do that. All right. Uh, yeah, if, if, I'm, if I can just jump in and add on a bit more. I think to a very large extent, right, when it comes to financial technology products or, or new products that's in the market, there, there is no one size fit all. Mm. While, while I would commend MES together with Singapore FinTech Association coming with a regulatory code of conduct, which is industry-led um, um, regulation, I think if we bring that demographics <coughs> or the comparison of demographics of Singapore and Malaysia, we, we do have quite a number of disparities in, in that sense, right? The target segment we're looking into, the financial literacy level that we're looking into is completely different from, from it is in Singapore uh, in, in itself. So on, on that note, even if we were to take a comparison with Hong Kong, Hong Kong has, HKMA has taken this particular stance whereby, you know, they just, just threw a blanket statement that BNPL is nothing more than an unsecured personal loan. <laughs> but 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 yet, if you if you look at the ASEAN demographics, and that, that's always what we talk about when it comes to a fintech player. You, you don't look at Malaysia, you don't look at Singapore. You look at that seven hundred million population across ASEAN, and and one comparison, I think, one of the more robust market like Vietnam in itself, you see an uprise in the whole entire BNPL um, um, industry in itself. And again, the pain point similar to us is that there is lack of adequate financial literacy. Um, so so in that sense, if if we were to take the comparison of, of each of these market in itself um, and draw a line as to where Malaysia should be, I think we should approach it in two prongs. One, we should have that regulatory framework that is being introduced by our respective regulators. And, and I would echo what Don has said, that there should still be a code of conduct amongst players to communicate amongst themselves as to how and who has provided a certain level of BNPL to a certain consumer. right? To, to Rather than centralising all the data into a, a, a data point, perhaps promote the fact that BMPL players start being responsible with each other before providing a credit line to a consumer, right? So then I would be able to declare how many credit lines I have with Hula versus how many credit lines I have with Atomi. And, and that in itself, perhaps, is where industry and regulators come together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Don, anything to add to that before we go into a few messages? Uh, elsewhere, right, I maybe just want to comment. ASEAN itself, yeah, like what Jonathan said, uh, I think apart from Malaysia, Singapore, Vietnam, maybe something, other places, uh, we don't hear much of the development. Uh, elsewhere, uh, experience, uh, being a global uh, credit bureau, we have also run a BNPL bureau in uh, US and UK mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that... Um, 
at this point, like the US one is still pretty much a specialty bureau mm. whereby the uh, BNPO player come together to share information, which is a closed bureau. But even the UK side, what we have seen, the reason uh, statistics we have seen is that the player is started willing to open up such information mm. to the other lender. I, uh, if I look at it uh, from the regulatory standpoint from Malaysia, that could be one of the directions even Bank mm-hmm. Negara is looking at. Uh, we have a pretty established secret, which is a banking credit bureau here. Yeah. Ultimately, they are looking at how you can take this holistic view in terms of a total indebtedness of an mm-hmm. individual. I think that's the ideal situation from a regulatory standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, consumer credit can be really important, very mm-hmm. powerful for your cash flow management. But if you are taking on too much debt, that can become a ticking time bomb for consumers in the late, uh, in the longer term. Uh, we're going to go into a few messages. We'll be back in just a bit. Folks, you're listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. Today, we're exploring BNPL and taking a look at the industry here in Malaysia and the kind of regulations or clarity needed in order to both protect consumers but allow the industry to grow as well. Helping us with this has been Don Lai, CEO of Experian Information Services Malaysia, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia. He's also a partner with legal firm Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. I'm Roshan Kanesan. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Bulldozing fine measures. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9. I'm Roshan Kanesan and welcome back to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. In December, Bank Negara Malaysia released a new policy document on personal financing focused on BNPL. On the back of that, we're taking a look at the overall industry and what's needed for the industry here in Malaysia to thrive and how we can find a balance between protecting consumers as well as regulation that would allow the industry to operate and grow with clarity. Helping us with this conversation has been Don Lai, CEO of Experian Information Services Malaysia, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia. He's also a partner with Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. few last questions here. Let's talk a little bit about the measures that maybe BNPL providers can implement on their own side. Because we talked a lot about regulatory and regulation. and um, But, you know, uh, I think we've mentioned that BNPL players themselves can do things to help manage the situation and protect consumers. So um, what should BNPL providers be implementing to promote uh, responsible uh, financing and protecting consumers from uh, potential debt accumulation? I know financial education and literacy is a big part of it. Yeah. Jonathan, you've mentioned it a few times, so maybe you can take this on. Sure. Um, yeah, I, th- I think on top of, of having efforts of, of ensuring that there is you know financial literacy in the market, and, and that's going to be a ongoing effort, right? Whether it is from the education industry or whether it is <clears throat> the industry players themselves. I think one one simple or, or the lowest hanging fruit for most of these BMPL players is to provide clear terms when it comes to onboarding their customers for a credit line. Um, the clarity of, of and, and the simplicity of your term and how your service charges are being introduced or, or late payment fees are being introduced should be glaring enough and, and simple enough for a layman to understand. And that in itself would perhaps be the very first step to curb, to ensure um, not so much of a buyer's beware kind of market, but to educate 
and and let your consumer understand that when you're going into this particular uh, lending model, this is what you're expected to pay. So it, it, again, it is it is again pivoting um, BNPL from from being an easy access credit line to a cash flow management tool. Right? Mm. If you have a table, you have a you have an installment plan that actually rolls out my commitment every month. I have that visibility to know how much I need to set aside when I move forward with it, and and, and that in itself, I think, would be a very good starting point um, for BNPL players to to show their responsibility or to show their market integrity when it comes to rolling out <laughs> consumer <laughs> credit products in yep. that sense. Yeah? Adding on, right? So uh, definitely apart from the so-called making sure that the terms and conditions are being clear to the consumer, um, taking the steps in terms of uh, conduct some of some of, of credit checks is needed. Mm. Um, yeah, because by understanding the overall so-called commitment of an individual, um, you also know from a BNPL player standpoint whether does it make sense to actually adding on the more debts to the individual <laughs> if they spend beyond their means, right? Yeah. I, I guess that that goes back to the the so-called uh, financial literacy part. Yeah, how to ensure the financial consumer is aware that uh, these are some of the things that actually is the tools that help them to mm. actually uh, progress in their life. Yeah, uh, Don, given the current trends and regulatory changes and uh, your more global view with Experian Information Services. Uh, how do you foresee the BNPL industry evolving in Malaysia over the next few years? Uh, I think according to some studies that we have seen, right, uh, this industry definitely is still growing very strongly uh, with more players, international players coming into Malaysia market and uh, we still have pretty large uh, younger generations, uh, populations. This is definitely one of the industry will continue to grow uh, and and the uh, popularities, uh, I think individual uh, financial consumer, once they understand this is actually how to leverage on such a uh, so-called scheme. And this is something that as we have seen elsewhere, uh, it is this grown actually uh, multiple times, actually across a lot of other jurisdictions. But over in Malaysia, I think on top of buy now, pay later scheme, there are also a lot of other forms of unsecured credits. I guess this would actually work hand in hand to actually help the individual to actually um, either get their purchases or either actually help them to tie through some of the uh, uh, tightens or heightens cost of living, but ultimately, uh, I, I would always caution that the consumer has to know what kind of risk that they are getting into. Managing well, that is always something that is very important. Yeah, uh, Jonathan. Yeah, I, I think you're right there, Don. In the sense whereby you know it, it is, it is what I would look at as a necessary um, credit product offering in Malaysia, right? Especially looking at our demographics, right? We we do have, we do have. A, a very SME-centric market. We do have a lot of uh, vendors on the ground as well, right? And and if we position BNPL wisely, BNPL actually is going to be a very, very strong tool for cash flow management at the end of the day. Where access to credit to, to say, your your Pasamala Mendes, your, your Machit Kiadas out there, right? They, they don't have that credit data, as you mentioned about. But by having BNPL, by stretching that, that particular dollar that they have for that that month and inventory allows them to then start rolling their cash flow um, across the couple of months that perhaps they need to at the end of the day. So I think proper measures need to be put in place. Education is important. But BNPL definitely is, is, if I can use the phrase loosely, a necessary evil to maintain or propel um, the market or the community to the next level of, 
sophistication when it comes to credit lending. Yeah. yeah, I think on the financial inclusion part, because that there are a segment of uh, consumer redeem Malaysia does not have a credit card. I, I know that most of us know there is this easy payment available from credit card. But for those other segments, this does help them to stretch their dollar a bit longer yeah. and use it uh, as what Jonathan said, a cash flow management tool. Yeah, and, and the business implications could be quite interesting as well, yeah. right? For the smaller businesses who don't necessarily have access to credit terms, uh, who have to go to the stores to buy their inventories. Um, this could be very positive for them. Again, yeah. if all if it's consistent across the board, right? You right. don't want yeah. different players to have different terms and conditions. Like we have credit cards. We understand how credit cards work. Yeah. It's quite clear um, in terms of the consistency across the different providers. Uh, to wrap up this conversation, conversation, let's talk about the clear, I guess, the biggest challenges and opportunities ahead for the BNPL industry in Malaysia. Um, Don, let's start with you on this. What are the yeah. biggest opportunities and challenges ahead? From a challenger side, right, if you look at it, uh, it goes back to a lot of what we have spoke about is the consumer education. How do we ensure that consumer fully understand how to leverage on this tool to help them uh, manage their cash flow better, uh, get advanced into their so-called uh, future life. And in terms of the other challenges is the rising default rate. Mm-hmm. If it's not being managed well, uh, you will start to see this actually get out of control. So that is definitely one of the areas that uh, from a regulator standpoint, this is one area they wanted to watch and they are paying quite a close uh, monitoring into this area. And third one, I would say that is in the area of fraud, mm-hmm. right? Account takeover. Um, I'm not too sure. I think that with the uh, e-commerce, digital transactions, online transactions that gaining popularity, how do we ensure, or especially uh, individual who take on a buy now, pay later loans to mm-hmm. pay off a purchases that who never pay back? Yeah. I think this is definitely one of the key challenges, right? So on opportunity side, I think it's the market development, if mm-hmm. you look at it, overall the development of the industry, it is new, it is up and coming and with the younger populations that we have, I, I see there is a good potential to grow further, but we have to definitely manage it well uh, with the right idea, uh, regulatory framework, uh, collaborations between the industry player, uh, ecosystem partner like credit reporting agency, together with the regulator. I think that is the way forward. Jonathan? Yeah, I think I, I would echo quite a bit of what Don has said in a sense whereby, you know, it has come to a point in time whereby when the emergence of regulation actually depicts the maturity of the market, right? And and I think the opportunity here is this little runway while CCA is coming, Credit Consumer Act is, is coming to play, is being moulded with industry feedback. You have Nagara pushing out the policy document that we were talking about in personal financing, which is a very good um, test case for for regulators at this point in time. This is the runway that allows players that are existing in the ecosystem and new players that will want to penetrate the ecosystem to have that certainty and clarity before pen- before offering a product to the market. Now, on the flip side of that, you will also then be able to address the gaps that we've been talking about, right? With uh, a baseline that you can always fall back to, you provide clarity to a consumer as to what their rights are, as to how much they can actually be, be uh, granted a loan, as to limitation as to, to service fees or anything of that sort in a sense. So I think I think it is really timely at this point in time that as we want to scale this credit lending, as we want to then specialise it to, to a product that would be able to enhance the financial market of Malaysia, that this, this is the window. This is the window whereby regulation are coming into shape. This is the window whereby clarity is coming into shape. 
um, your address on data, the, the importance of, of data security. Yeah, and I think those are efforts that would be ancillary to it. But more, most importantly at this point in time is that we need to have a robust regulation that allows all that three actors that I was talking about some safe haven to grow the market. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Don, Jonathan, thank you so much, both of you, for your time today. Sure. Thank you. Thanks thank you. Thank you. Folks, I've been speaking with Don Lai, CEO of Experian Information Services, as well as Jonathan Lim, Secretary of the Fintech Association of Malaysia and partner with legal firm Zaid Ibrahim & Co. in association with KPMG Law. You've been listening to Enterprise Explores, the show where we help you navigate the ever-changing universe of business from the headlines to the bottom line. And if you miss any part of this conversation, you can find the full conversation later on on the BFM website at bfm.my or the BFM app or wherever your favorite podcast app is, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or something else. Just look up for Enterprise Explores. I'm Roshan Kinesin. Keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.